0: Trucks, so I could run the f-
1: over all these f- cars and get home. And actually, have f- time for once. It f- sucks. Yeah, 405 does suck. I it? totally
2: apologize <laughs> for calling you with that voicemail, but I was, I was really mad that day. <laughs> Seriously, you guys don't even understand. So, I live in uh, Huntington Beach, California, which That's is Orange Holman County. That's Holman
1: speaking. By the way, this is Lightning. It's the Truck Show Podcast. Go ahead. Wait, Holman. are we starting? Yeah.
2: Okay. So yeah. So anyway, I live in uh, Orange County and work in El Segundo, which is up by LAX. And so that is a commute of about 31 miles. It literally takes me uh, when there's no traffic, like on a midnight on a Sunday or whatever, it's like 45 minutes to get up there, maybe 35 if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. A standard workday is an hour and 15 up and an hour and 45 home for 31 freaking miles. Yeah, it's insane. I can totally relate to that, dude. Yeah, it sucks. Dude! And there is no relief for the 405 because the only thing you can do is be on PCH, which is no better, or go inland, and then you're going toward uh, downtown L.A. And, and just, God forbid yeah. you use Waze. It, screw
1: Waze. No, Waze sucks. Anyone that says, oh, I use Waze. No. Do you guys have Waze in the middle of the country? Because in the metros here it's, in New York, it freaking sucks. It takes you off. <laughs> its whole thing is, let's take you around, off, uh, yeah, around whatever the, the cluster is on the freeway. But the, we'll the put highway. you in front of every stop sign and
2: freaking red light there oh, is. Oh, my
1: Lord. I would rather sit on the highway, yes. not moving, or just idling in first uh, yes. gear, right? Or... or I would just I can't stand stopping, starting, stopping, no. starting at every green light. It's, it's, it's horrible.
2: Oh my And I Lord. can I can tell you from experience, there are four hundred ways for me to get from my house to my office, mm-hmm. mixes of uh, street and highway and boulevards and all. And ways will take you through the most uh, manic of all. Of I them. have tried them all, and barring a crash on the four hundred five or part of the freeway shut down. It is never faster to get off the freeway. Never. Even if you're, co- if you're crawling at the slowest speed possible, it's
1: still Do you know faster why? than the why? Do you know why? Because it's, it's the straightest, most direct yeah, route. absolutely. And another thing. And I, <laughs> another thing about this, the stinking highways. Are you
2: shaking your cane at the neighbor, kids? Nope. Not uh, stinking. It.
1: Listen to me. All right, I'm Listen listening. Listen to me, you guys out there. Don't freaking try to pass on the right side don't do your pole position maneuvers in anything but the fast lane, which
2: is the furthest to the left before the carpool lane or whatever you want to call it. Hold on. Wait, wait. This goes out the door when you're in stop-and-go traffic. When you're driving, I agree with you 100%, but when you have to take that opportunity to get one car ahead, damn it, you take it. No. Yes.
1: I'm going to punch you in the face. I will punch you right back. (laughs) Listen to me.
2: It will never work.
1: The number one, the fast lane is always faster. People are getting and in and out true. of it. true. It is true. Unless no, there's
2: an accident. No. I'll tell you why it's not true. And I am a student of the California freeway system. I'm so telling so. you wrong. But where I'm not wrong- You are wrong. Is, I am not wrong. This is totally true- You're right, right up at the point where it's completely you're wrong. false. No. You're wrong. It's the carpool lane. The problem is, is in California, we give everybody with an electric or an EV the stupid sticker, and they can drive in the carpool lane by themselves. So the carpool lane gets super congested, so sometimes- Not always. Sometimes the number one lane's faster, except when all the freaking people in the carpool lane have to get out of the carpool lane. So really, the number two lane ends up being faster sometimes. I'm just saying. Because you got a lot of ins and outs coming in and out of that carpool lane.
1: Overall, over the course of 30 miles, which uh-huh. is your commute, yes. you will get there faster if you stay to the left. True. Okay. True. Do not, not necessarily
2: first lane, sometimes do second
1: not lane. Do not try to pass people on the right-hand side. <laughs> <Or> a, <laughs> that's where all the traffic is getting on, the big rigs, all that stuff. Oh, it yeah. ain't going to work. Well, the problem stay is— Stay to the left and just sit with me, and we will get there faster. The freeway I from my house to L.A.,
2: Yeah, along the 405— goes from about six lanes in one direction to four lanes in one direction to, like, eight lanes in one direction, back down to, like, four lanes in one direction, and you've got cheater lanes, you've got lanes coming in. It's just one of the – just wasn't designed for all you people. So everybody who hates California who's talking about leaving, please do. That way I can get to work faster. (laughs) It's not going to happen. (laughs) That's my PSA of the day. People keep coming in. Coming in. Oh, man.
1: Well, so listen, enough with traffic. You guys, everyone who lives in a metro – you know, big city, complains about traffic. But then they come to L.A. and they go, oh, wow. Yeah. It really is as bad as you or worse talk about.
2: Yeah. It is obnoxious. There is there is no doubt about that.
1: So if you got to sit in traffic, you might as well do it in a Nissan. Because, A,
2: you're going to be riding in style, and, B, you're higher up and you get to see over everyone. The problem is, yeah. unless you're merging, you probably aren't going to use that 390 horsepower and that 394 pound-feet of torque. Because you're not going fast enough. No. (laughs) But on the weekends when you're going up to the mountains
1: or you're going to the beach or you're going to put your snowmobile out somewhere, you're going to need that power.
2: Well, and I can tell you the Nissan Titan is a great truck for long trips. Super quiet. Rides great. And you know what? Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty.
1: Which is insanely amazing. And we commend Nissan for doing that. You're probably not going to need the warranty because they just don't break. But if you do, it's there.
2: And don't forget, with up to 1,951 pounds of payload... You can put your decked box in the back and still carry all that That's weight. That's a lot of stuff. That's yeah. a lot of stuff. So
1: you can have your your decked box in the back, and yep. you can have the deer that you just got, right? You just shot, <laughs> right? Not in California. <laughs> not in California, but in wherever, wherever else you're going to shoot deer. Where do you shoot deer? I guess you can shoot in rural parts of California, just not where we live. Right, no. You can't shoot anything where There's we no live. There's no deer around here. Yeah, there are. Where? In the zoo? No. You're definitely going to jail if you shoot a deer no, in the have zoo. deer in
2: the, like, the wilderness parks and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I guess they are up in the mountains. The coastal wilderness parks, Lisa Viejo, they have deer all over that place. They do? Yeah, and cougars. They have cougars? Yeah, we do. We have mountain lions.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about the old chicks. We have those, too. Those running. are in Newport. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Newport Beach. We well, got a lot of cougars down there. Oh, uh, damn. Yeah, you know what, Holman, we, we just are guilty of right now? California, California pompousness. pompousness. Yes. Oh. We are deeply sorry. Yes, we are. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah, no more. Uh, Does that California make it better? <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Well, thanks to our presenting sponsor Nissan and our new sponsor Decked. If you need a uh, cargo solution for your full-size truck or van, check out Decked. You know what I like about Decked is that not only is it super convenient.
1: But I marvel at how smoothly the drawers the drawer come pull out. out. It's yeah. bizarre. It's two,
2: as if they're floating. Two full-length locking drawers, two thousand pounds of uh, carrying capacity on top, evenly distributed, weatherproof, waterproof, dustproof, lockable. What's not to like?
1: I was like, are those like Swiss, like like uh, Swiss skateboard bearings? And the guy I decked is like. Way better. Yeah. He those, just looked at me like you wish they were. They're like Abec thirties. <laughs> Anyone who skateboards knows yeah, yeah. like what is Abec? Yeah. Topped
2: out at what ten? No. When we were kids, I think the best was like Abec seven, and then Abec ten came. And we we're like, ooh, that's A B E C. What does it stand for? I don't know. I don't know, but it's the rating of the bearing. Yeah. But I'm telling you,
1: these are these deck drawers are insanely buttery smooth, and I feel like no matter as you use them more, they get smoother. How's that possible?
2: I don't know, but I like how smooth they are. And so, just for I don't know, fun, I looked up ABEC scale. Mm-hmm. So ABEC is the Annular Bearing Engineering Committee. Okay, <laughs> who knew? I just I, we just found out. I just liked them on my skateboard and my rollerblades. And does does it have a rating? Do they go up to what number? Looks like nine. Oh, nine is the highest. And it's the five classes from largest to smallest tolerances: one, three, five, seven, nine. Hmm. Yeah. So hey you learn something every new <laughs> the Truck show podcast. Let's start this thing. Oh
1: my god.
3: The truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck
1: cuz truck rides with. The truck
3: show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel. The Truck
1: Show, The Truck Show. The truck show oh, oh. It's The Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Truck Show episode 30. Are we at 30 already? Yeah, this is episode 30. <laughs> Feels like five. <laughs> hey, you know what we're free of? No. Ants. No yeah, ants.
2: You haven't had ants in a couple episodes. No ants. I mean, maybe I'm jinxed us, but no ants in our studio. So, okay, I had a listener come up to me this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I was at, and did she or he run away screaming and crying? No, oh, oh not even. Okay, no. So this was a uh, Clint Cunliffe who actually had written us a while back. If you remember, his sons were driving cross country to Ultimate Adventure, and he was talking about inviting you out to uh, King of the Hammers sometime. So okay. I was at this event called the KMC Jeep Bash at Bolsa Chica Beach in Huntington Beach, California, which was a big Jeep event. And a lot of our listeners don't know, I actually own a uh, twelve Wrangler JK up on thirty sevens and pretty pretty awesome machine that's taken me all over the desert Southwest and uh, Moab and all. those fun places and clint came up and he says hey i just wanted to say love the podcast and i'm like huh so i'm a magazine guy nobody knows what we look like right so to have a a listener how did he know i was wearing my podcast t-shirt okay and figured i would do a little promotion while we're i'm out in a place with 400 jeeps so So we just assumed that you were one of the hosts i guess he saw my picture on facebook or some of our social posts but um yeah so he came up we had a great conversation. Did he say like, "Man, you're uh, you've got a face for radio"? One of no, those? he said, "You are as fat and ugly as I thought you were." <laughs> no, oh, we had this great conversation, and I knew he was for real when he asked about our ant problem. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, no, he's he like, "How are the ants the in the studio?" Problem. Yeah, and he asked about you, and he said, "Where's Lightning?" And I said, "He's too cool for us right now, so we'll uh, we'll see him next week at the uh, off-road expo and uh, come come say hi." So he may come say hi, uh, or maybe he did come say hi. Did you get any interviews? I didn't. Well, good. Thanks for (laughs) thanks for working for us when you were out. Well, I I was amazed. I was amazed that anybody recognized me. I just couldn't work the rest of the day. I was just walking around in days after that. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it caught
1: you so off guard. I was
2: just yeah. It was just weird. So, I mean, you've been on that entertainment side for you know. But I was in radio.
1: I know what you're talking about. People didn't know. Everyone came up to me like. Hey, I thought you were going to be tall and thin. I'm like, well, no, I'm five nine and and hefty. Not. No, I'm not. <laughs> <I> mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not hefty. But I, I do. Yeah, the, the, for whatever reason, they because my voice is high. I think they were assumed a lanky person. Maybe I don't know, but. No. I'm
2: yeah, not. I, it just it was weird. Yeah. So anyway, if you check out our social at Truck Show Podcast, I got a selfie of Clint and I, mm-hmm. and uh, that was I was the first listener to come up and say hi, and super weird. And so after uh, Clint and I were talking, I was kind of reeling from that experience, going, "What? This is so weird." And this lady walks up to me, and she's like, "Hi, uh, my son's really shy. I Just want to introduce you." And I'm going, "What?" And she goes, "Yeah, we listen to the podcast." I'm like, "There's no way." And so really? uh, yeah, so shout out to uh, to Dave for. Uh, he, I guess, he's 16 years old. Okay, he listens to the podcast. Huge enthusiast. Loves uh, loves trucks and jeeps and all sorts of stuff, and listens to the podcast.
1: So you you met two listeners. Three. So three listeners. So there's only like two more left to meet and we're done, right? Well,
2: if you met those, let's just pile them together and then we
1: can call it good. <laughs> all right, Holman, uh, neither you or I are good artists. I think that's safe whoa, to say, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, I seen? do. I have
1: some illustrator chops, a little bit of Photoshop experience. Oh, you meant
2: on the computer. No, yeah. I don't, I cannot do that at all. Yeah, that's what On a what piece I'm talking of paper, about. I draw a mean stick man.
1: <laughs> and by the
2: way- you have
1: drawn many penises all over my office. Uh, that's actually true. <laughs> so <laughs> um, you are a pro at the fallacia. Uh, it was funny now, about that. that. Wait, it's not fallacia It's the, the phallus? Uh,
2: phallus, yes. Uh, phallus-strator. You're but a phallus-strator. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, uh, yeah, everywhere I go, I uh, in my youth, uh, you know, kind of like the you your know, youth. <laughs> you do it now. You did it last week <laughs> in my office, <laughs> So Dick cheese. So if you've ever seen uh, Superbad, where he's talking about his, you know, the... the you know, his problem with drawing dicks everywhere. It's not a problem. It's just funny. You do it on your friend's car or you do it. So we were out in the middle of the desert on like of the year one year and somebody's like, Holman, come here, come here. And I'm like, oh my God, what happened? And I go running over. They're like, your people have been out here. And there was like <laughs> one of the uh, power towers had a bunch of wieners drawn on it. And I'm Like, oh, my people. We went down to Australia. I may have, you know, Anyway, I'm just saying that, you
1: know. You're, you're be- drawing penises everywhere we go. Okay, yeah. so our next guest, does he? I don't think he does that. No. Or right, he's a professional... Well, what would you call him? He, he renders. Uh, yeah. He, he makes, all right, so he makes your- Conceptual drawing. You're
2: rendering for your he, future show truck. Exactly.
1: He makes, He take your dreams, your the, what you can't get out of your head, and turn it into reality. At least a two-dimensional reality. But it looks awesome. Like if you look at his rendering, so- uh, They look like photographs. But, totally. And but, so I've seen a lot of rendering. So w- what happens here before many professional builds is you're looking at a big price tag. Maybe fifty, a $100,000 for this vehicle. And you think, hmm, if you're smart, you draw it first. It's kind of like, what is that? To measure twice, cut once. So you want to get the best possible simulation of this vehicle, right, before you start spending money on it. Sounds legit. And so what do most professional builders do? They hire someone to render it. So they yeah. say, it's a 2019 Ford F-350 crew cab blah, 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 lift this wheels, tires, and they list all the parts. And then an artist
2: puts it all together. Put it together, And then you send it out with your packet for sponsorship or whatever. Now, some
1: look drawn. Some are obvious renderings where you go, oh, I I get it. I see what it will look like. This is obviously a cartoonish drawing. It was done clearly in Photoshop, and our next guest, Chase, doesn't do that. They look like photographs Fo- of real vi- photo realistic yeah.
2: renderings. Yes, and the way the light plays on the uh, the body lines and uh, the reflections, and it's 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 almost like the best you know immersive video games that they have right now, where everything is so realistic. That's what his renderings look like. It's amazing. It's, so here's how I found him, and I've known
1: I have a lot of friends who actually do this line of work. Yeah, but I know of you. This too. impressed me. Okay, and Heavy D Dave from Diesel Brothers. Yeah. Promoted it and said, he said, hey, I don't often get renderings. I don't often drink beer, but, <laughs> but what I, I do, I don't often get renderings. <laughs> but he says, hey, I don't often get renderings, And uh, but I did, and I'm really happy with this guy. And I looked at and I thought, yeah, okay, that's pretty cool rendering. And then I opened up his feed and looked at all of his renderings, and I thought, oh, hot damn.
2: Yeah, no, they, they're like amazing. Dave was on
1: to something. Okay, so let's dial up Chase. Hello? Chase, Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Pretty
0: good. How are y'all?
1: Fantastic. We're excited to talk to you. Before we do, though, we have to play your intro. Hang tight.
0: Yo, the truck show.
3: (laughs) Who dis, who dis, who the hell is this? A truck show interview you don't want to miss. We talk to top dogs in the industry. How'd you blow up? How'd you come
0: to? Truck show
3: represent.
1: <laughs> There's your intro, Chase. There you go, brother.
0: <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> so, here's the deal.
1: So, we're talking to uh, Chase Carroll. Now, Chase, you and I just met. Uh, actually, it was the first time this morning when I said, Hey, we need to have you on the Truck Show podcast. You're like, Oh, sure. Never heard it's of it. It was like you, a really I'm, bad I'm blind down. date. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. It was speed dating for sure. i like, we exactly. have <laughs> We have five minutes to talk. I need you to be on the show because you're awesome. And we'll explain why when we get you on the air. So
0: that's perfect.
1: So Chase, uh, as we were talking before you came on with us, Holman and I have been in and around kind of the truck industry and automotive for, for many, many years, and seen hundreds of renderings. Um, Holman, you may not know, has been the head of many magazines over his uh, tenure at Motor Trend and has seen good renderings, bad renderings. I showed him kind of your Instagram portfolio, and his mouth
2: was agape. He was like, "Well, this is good stuff. No, very, very, very cool." In fact, I was. Uh I was blown away by just how photorealistic they were. And I'm like, are you sure those are rendering? Because those look pretty real.
1: <laughs>
2: you're, a, you're a truck specialist.
1: Now, I know that you probably enjoy automotive in every aspect, but really it's it's all trucks. And so I want to back up first and find out um, how did you get started? Because it wasn't you're, you weren't a graphic artist like so many are.
0: That's correct. So actually, my love for trucks came from when I was very little. I would say when I was about five or six years old, my dad actually took me to Monster Jam shows um, when I was younger just because I was infatuated with big, lifted, loud trucks when I was a kid, Um, and in turn, that interest actually followed me throughout my life um, to where when I was 15 years old, um, my dad and I actually built a truck together for my first vehicle um, that I started driving when I was 16 years old. And what was that? This, it was actually a 1984 Chevy Blazer um, that we Duramax swapped and put a wow, 2006 nice. Duramax into it. <laughs> well done. I, I love um, square
2: body Duramax swaps. They're just they're just unholy. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> unholy is oh. a good term, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, they're 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 awesome. So we actually uh, we built that and that was well known around social media, which actually got me into the social media aspect in the truck industry. Um, I've done a few things here and there with automotive shows, um, as well as square body trucks and, it ultimately led me to now graphic design in the truck industry.
1: But that is not really how you got your start, though, meaning in, you took a couple detours, which you told me about this morning. I want to recap on those. So this is becoming your day job, but it's not currently. You've got a background in 3D modeling, correct?
0: Uh, that's correct. Uh, my background in 3D work actually comes from uh, petroleum engineering, uh, so I was originally in petroleum engineering, which is where I became familiar with three D design work and product design work, and then that ultimately translated uh, into automotive concept renderings. Almost eight years later.
1: So interesting, Holman. He designs like ATMs and things like that. So industrial yeah, design, which
0: is cool, and and it's funny
2: now that he says he came from the three D modeling world, it totally makes sense because that's what the renderings look like. In fact. Um, I'm looking at some of the stuff on your Instagram. And for those who are following and would like to check it out, it's uh, Innovate, I-N-N-O-V, the number eight, Design Lab. So at Innovate Design Lab on Instagram. And some of the stuff's pretty cool. What I'm impressed with is I think these are the very first um, renderings that I have seen of both the 2019 GMC Sierra 1500 as well as the RAM 2019 Ram 1500. I haven't and seen those, any And Those yet. both caught my attention. Yeah, and they're both very, very cool to see what those trucks look like lifted, and then uh, how you've imagined the uh, the dooley flares on the GMC. Uh, we haven't seen those yet, so you know there's a little <laughs> bit of imagination that goes into that. Very, very cool.
1: I mean, are you starting because you are you're you're familiar with CAD and SolidWorks and things like that? Are you getting files from GM, or is this literally from scratch?
0: Um, that is. Uh, From scratch, I I get no files from um, any of the automotive manufacturers.
2: Wow. How long does it take you from start to finish to do a typical rendering?
0: On average, uh, rendering will take around four to five hours. Uh, Depending on the complexity of the design, it might take longer. Um, Some of the renderings are built from scratch, full custom suspensions. So those will take a little bit longer just because they're a little bit more complex than Um, a few of the other suspensions, which I've modeled before, that I just have to alter um, a little bit uh, between renders.
2: We're looking through your uh, Instagram right now, and again, I see the 2019 Chevy Silverado uh, rendered, which is really awesome. But what I'm curious about is, yes, we see the picture... But can you, are you modeling these and, and rendering these in a 3D world? So can you provide different angles? Can you flip it over and, and all that? And then what program are you using? Because it's just really fascinating to see what they look like, and, and you're setting them into different environments and things like that. If
1: we sent these out to our friends, they would think they're photographs. Absolutely. And they're like, how did you come up with this? Where, where did, you, did you have some inside knowledge into GM or something? And the answer is no. <laughs> we, we know a dude right. who can draw. Yeah. So,
2: so, are these are these drawn in the 3D world then on the computer so you can flip them around, do different angles, or is it? Are you only working on certain angles, that that front three quarter or rear three quarter?
0: This is in the 3D world, so I can give you pretty much anything you want. I can give you top, bottom, side, any angle of the truck. I can even do animations, as you can see on my page as well. So I can. Can actually... you make
2: Lightning's truck drive off road?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can. I, I can make. Pretty much anything happened with the 3D model.
2: We need to put Chase um, to the test, and what we're going to do is we are going to send him a picture of the rock crusher, and then he's going to put a rendering together of it flexing on the boulders of Moab or the <laughs> Rubicon or something like that, and <laughs> that is I mean. going to be our new cover photo for Facebook. That is what I need. Well, it's uh, it's going up for sale.
1: It's going up for sale, so that'll that'll, that'll help add me move some it. street cred. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so what's uh, what else I'm seeing is interesting in here is your custom suspensions and lights and things like that. So are you modeling some of those pieces individually and then you can add them to any truck that you want?
0: That's correct. So I model each. So every component that you see on the suspension is modeled by hand. So I can then take that and I can essentially add it to any future rendering or build um that that I want to. so you have a folder
1: you have a folder on your computer that is springs and another one that says torsion bars and another one that is you know I mean you have a folder for every part you've ever designed he has right? a
2: silverado on max tracks like he's he <laughs> like he's basically done the mat tracks where it's it's like the snowmobile truck right mm-hmm. I mean it's not these are not like n- easy to draw I mean you're talking about wheels and gears and the treads and it's it's like crazy yes
0: that's correct I have a I have a massive database where I where I hold all these three D files. I I have multiple terabytes of, of hard drives containing all these files. Uh, so it, it's not a small database by any means.
1: So is the goal chase to turn this into something more um, full time, or is it? Would you like to keep it? Because look, I don't know how many you know Diesel Dave Heavy D's got three point seven million followers or something. He Instagrammed and he regrammed you, and I'm guessing you exploded after that. And you're going to get a lot more. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, um, truck show listeners about eight that will uh, call you. No, I mean he's going to get a lot of spam and a lot of guys like, "Hey, how much to do my truck?" But yeah. but that I'm guessing though that he will get a lot of work out of it, and the word's going to get out that you're legitimate, and you're also going to get um, inquiries from. Suspension manufacturers, wheel manufacturers, American Force is going to call you, you know, because this is really great work. So where do you want this to lead?
0: As far as that, um, I'd like to move into the direction of full-time work. Um, Everything that you see here right now actually just happened over the course of the last six months. Whoa. Um, So Innovate Design Lab has um, really come to the forefront of automotive renderings just recently and gained a lot of traction. Um, so as you can see, the, the page grew to to a little over thirty thousand followers just in a matter of a few months.
2: Can you please retweet um, something from us?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Re- regram something. You know what I'm impressed with is when I'm looking at your page and you're saying this is your last you know six months of work. You have covered quite the gamut. You've got a, a few uh, sports cars in there, Porsches, Ferraris. But what's really interesting is is you go from Wrangler, current Super Duty, OBS Ford. You've got you know, second-generation Rams. You've got the brand-new 19, uh, you know, GM trucks and, and the uh, Ram 1500. I mean, you're covering the gamut, and you're doing everything lifted, lowered, super showy, super slammed, and a little bit of everything in between. It's very, very cool. Well, I mean,
1: this this OBS Ford, I don't know what year this would be, but with the—it's um, got, like, Alcoa's on it. It's a lifted dually. Yes. And it is—it's a photograph. I, I There's nobody that would, that would call us out and say that that is a rendering. That's that's a freaking photograph. Yeah, that that right here. This one right here. It's a, it's a white. To yeah. Yeah, a white OBS Ford, and it's gorgeous.
2: Yeah, it's very, very cool. I mean, it's Thank you, I Literally, that. photograph, <laughs> photorealistic, photograph quality renders. Um, and I see there you've taken some liberties with what the future Bronco might look like, and I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff on here. It's it's very cool. I could get lost in your page for uh, for a little while.
1: What did you do for Dave of Diesel Brothers?
0: Dave approached us and. Essentially, he wanted a makeover of his 6 by 6 build that he built um, last year or the year before. I do not remember. But he approached us with this project. He wanted to, to redo it, um, provide a makeover of it. But the, the issue that he was having, the main issue that he was having, was the rear fender. Uh, he didn't want a just one big opening um, like was seen on the Ford Raptor. Uh, with the 6x6 six six conversion. He didn't want just two fender wells put together because, in his words, it looked like the McDonald's arch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted something that was that looked like, basically, it was OEM. Like Ford would make a production run of what the 6x6 six six would look like, and, and that's what he approached us with, and, and what you see is is what we designed. So really it was the rear fender concept that we created for him um, on his makeover, the 6x6, that's uh, going to be at SEMA this year.
2: Very cool. And I'm looking at one of your uh, renderings of basically the same current model Super Duty, except one is a little bit more pre-runner and clearly has a uh, a divorced, like, one-ton or two-ton uh, transfer case, which is very cool. But you actually have the Grumper rendered, which is, which is a very complex design when you're in the 3D world. I mean, you may say, oh, Grumper, it's... It's, it's simple, but well, it's, remind, it's not.
1: Remind people what the grumper is. Yeah,
2: so it's a grill and a bumper by our friends over at Fab Fours. We had them on a previous episode, but it replaces your grill and bumper as this kind of crazy, futuristic, angular unit and the way that the light is reflected. And then in some of your renderings, super glossy paint and other stuff you have flat tones and it looks like a flat truck. It looks like a glossy truck. I'm, how do you, I'm how do you pull that off?
1: Like, how do you get that realism when it comes to the light because the lighting is what makes
0: it. You are you are correct in saying that. That's what really makes these renders pop um, because we can put it through our software and whether it's the glossy tone or a matte or satin finish, we can really bring that out in the render um, and it's really something that hasn't been seen in the truck industry before Uh, And that's something that we can capitalize on in in 3D design is really making those textures come out to provide an ultra-realistic render.
1: So you're not using Photoshop then? You're using something more complex, like Maya or something like that?
0: That's correct. Um, So we do not do anything in Photoshop. We actually use a combination of about five or six different softwares. Um, and then we actually have a proprietary software that we've created um, that finalizes these photos and, and combines all of these 3D attributes together. Um, and then that is our that's that our final piece of the puzzle that puts um, the finishing touches on these renders and, I think and that's, creates what you see.
1: I think that's what does it, is that I've watched guys actually put these things together. And it's and it is all Photoshop, and it is somewhat limited by and Photoshop is a very robust r- robust program, but it, it it can't do this type of modeling and this type of shadowing and light that you're talking about.
2: What does your computer setup look like? I'm sure there's you know guys out there who are total uh, totally geek out over computer systems. I'm curious, what kind of horsepower do you have to have to build things like this? Does in the it look 3D like
1: world? the computer in uh, CSI Miami or whatever, what, it's like eight <laughs> monitors wrapped around the guy? <laughs>
0: Um, I, I do have a very complex computer system. I actually have three different systems running in conjunction together um all powered by the by the same software to pump these things out so Chase uh, I don't even I don't know very... what that
2: means all I know is that you're more talented at this than I am at anything in my life
1: <laughs> <laughs> So do you have like a is it like a render farm you know like a, a
2: render farm well, I mean, my... By the way render farm is opening up at uh, Coachella Yeah uh, no yeah. I heard
1: it's the Bumbershoot festival <laughs> It's the Bumbershoot festival yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so are you using like well for example I'm trying to put it on the same plane as like when they make a Star Wars or something, and one second of footage takes a day to, rem- to render because it's so complex. Something of that Correct. nature?
2: Okay. Now, do Correct. you have so, a uh, a steam-powered engine and a hand crank, <laughs> and then you just sit there and you spin it until a picture comes out the other end? Or is it like one of those things where you used to go to the zoo as a kid, and you'd put the penny in, and it would come out flat with like uh, the logo of the zoo on it? Does nothing that have, like that. No, nothing, home, right, home right. And right. nothing like that. <laughs> uh, then I can't relate to any of this. I have no idea.
0: Fortunately, uh, we are in 2018, so um, it's a little bit more automated than that. But, um, yes, yeah, for example, uh, to to give you an idea... Um, especially on my animations. So a normal Pixar animation, hour and a half movie, has 72 million hours of render time that it takes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you couldn't see it, but Holman um, just
1: dropped the f-bomb silently. He's like, <laughs> How dare you!
0: How
2: dare you! No, what I'm really curious about is I'm actually going to do uh, 72 million divided by 24. Okay, that is three million days of work. Correct. Three million days of work. Oh, my
1: God. Well, that's why they've got uh, 100 people working on it that are doing it all simultaneously. Okay. If you so
2: divide they, that by 365. Remember what I said about a,
1: a render farm? It, they really do have render. Cool. Is, is, is that what it's called, Chase? A farm or like a server farm or whatever it is? It's, like a, it's just for rendering. It's just computers that just crunch data.
0: Correct. It, yeah, the correct terminology is a render farm, and it's basically uh, multiple computers on the on different you know on the same network that's all crunching the same data simultaneously so you can have you know you can cut 72 million dollars of work down to you know just a few months
2: I'm not comfortable with of- anybody outside uh, our uh, trusted uh, military to have that kind of computing power cuz Chase I feel like you could completely go turn code and uh, use this computing power for evil <laughs> I just did the math that is eight thousand two hundred and twenty years. <laughs> We're never going to see that movie come no, out ever. No. No.
1: <laughs> so, last, last couple of questions for you, Chase, and, and thank you very much for uh, for coming on with us. Um, ha- have you seen any of these renders come to life? Because you've you've I know that you've been doing them for a long time, professionally, uh, consumer facing only for six months, but you've been doing them probably for a couple of years. Have you seen any of them? come to fruition.
0: I have, uh, but not to the scale of which I'm designing them now. Uh, so really, the the first time I'm going to be able to see all of these designs come to life will be at the SEMA show this year in November.
1: And how many have you produced for SEMA?
0: I believe it's in the neighborhood of 80 to 100.
1: Excuse past- <laughs> me, what? What?
0: <laughs> so wait a minute
1: 80 to 100 how did everyone That's find correct. you in such a short amount of time just a couple of months ago you were designing ATMs for banks where did you get
2: 8200 years to, uh, to
1: do all
0: this <laughs> <laughs> um, the power of social media really um, I started six months ago I, I actually did a render for free for a budget line. and he shared it around I, I did three or four SEMA renderings for some people he knew. Um, I knew a few people in the industry and then, you know, I did one or two and then just took off from there and started growing on its own. Um, really I haven't looked up from the computer since then. <laughs> the- I put
1: on 150 pounds. I don't move. I'm lethargic. <laughs> right. But damn, my artist sound. <laughs> my family has left me, but I got a lot of cool trucks on display. So what do you charge, Chase? Are you accepting new work or are you slammed? And if you are accepting new work, what does it cost the average guy who has the dream to make a Bronco or a new car- truck? What are we looking at here?
0: Um, so we're always accepting new work, of course. Um, you know We're always looking uh, to bring people's dreams to reality is, is really what we try to do. So on average, um, our renderings start at $350. Um, and then from there, the price will vary on the complexity of design, um, as well as the certain modifications that they want. So... For example, if someone wants a full custom suspension, one off everything that some, you know, that nobody else has, that will take more time to design and model than someone who wants, you know, a generic lift kit uh, with some wheels and tires. Um, So our price point is really dependent, one, on the time it takes to create these renders, because a lot of time does come into building the database of models as well as the investment I've made in, you know, having this computer system to generate these types of models. Um, So that's why the price point is where it is.
1: It seems that you're going to get calls from suspension manufacturers or wheel manufacturers because you've dreamt up their new parts in advance.
0: That's correct. We've, um, for example, the the 2019 uh, modifications that, that I have on my Instagram page, none of that actually exists yet.
1: But it sure um, looks good. <laughs> it sure looks like it does.
0: sure <laughs> looks real to me. Yeah. Right. So so any of that, none of that exists yet. And that's another advantage that we're able to, for, to provide, especially to these companies. They can essentially test the market with us um, so they can see how a product might perform when it leads to the marketplace based on the reaction they get. Um, from their consumers.
1: Well done, man.
2: Yeah, no, this, this
1: stuff is I'm just saying awesome. well done. And I wish, so We obviously we're an audio medium. You guys need to go to his Instagram page.
2: Innovate Design Lab. So that's at Innovate, I-N-N-O-V, the number eight design lab on Instagram. And it's, uh, it's awesome. I mean, you could spend some time Checking out the detail of these renderings that look just like photos.
1: Yeah, I mean, luckily that with Instagram, you can pinch and zoom and you can dig into these things a little bit. I wish they were higher res because I have a feeling you're designing these things like 5,000 pixels plus, right? They're huge, very, very detailed. So the customer can blow these things up on his wall. And that's another thing I I wanted to ask you about, um, Chase, is that these aren't just for show trucks. Like maybe I have a vehicle I've always dreamt of as a kid and I couldn't afford to buy it or, or make it. Maybe I just want to pay you, uh, you know, four or five hundred dollars to design this thing and put it in glass on my wall.
0: Uh, yes, we, we are able to do that. Actually, we have done that multiple times. Um, we do design these things in high res, so nothing that comes out of um, Innovate Design Lab is anything less than 4K resolution. Um, and we've we've provided renderings for people who've printed these things. You know, a uh, six foot wide on a wall. Wow. Just so they could put it in canvas. Um, one product that we did for an aftermarket company and um, they actually printed the render out for their office space and it was a, it was a six foot wide image that's now hanging in their office space. So we have done that before and that is something um, that people um, can do through us since it is, you know, a high quality, very accurate and detailed rendering.
1: All right, Chase. Really appreciate you spending some time with us, and congrats on the new company. And I, I have a feeling in the next few months you'll be uh, jumping on this thing full time because uh, the word is out, the quality is there.
0: I appreciate that, and thank, and thank you for having me on um, the podcast. It was, it was really great speaking with y'all as well.
2: For sure. All right. We'll All right. Talk brother, soon. We'll look forward to uh, seeing you at SEMA and uh, seeing some of your uh, designs right up close in person.
1: Oh yeah, and by the way, stop by because we're going to be uh, you know taping the shows out at SEMA. Do we can we say where yet? Yeah, no? yeah.
2: We will have a presence in the Lund booth, uh, which is at the uh, upper uh, South Hall, upper floor, and uh, so we'll be out of there, uh, and then we'll be around with our recorder going around and interviewing people. So uh, we we ha- will have it set up where some of our guests can come join us in the booth, and we can do uh, some live stuff from SEMA. Which Chase, if you're around, we'd love to meet you out there.
0: Of course, I'll definitely be there, and I'll come say hi. Fantastic. All right,
2: brother. All right. Congrats. Thanks again. Talk soon.
0: Thank you. Home and ready for Dancing. some
1: email. Yeah, let's get <laughs> it. You email. Yeah.
3: I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We
1: email. Click it. Yeah. Everybody email. There he goes again. That is the head movement, I think, that entertains me the most. I, I, we should do a video. Instagram TV. Instagram TV, you want to do it one time? We should. It'd be funny. <laughs> it's just you.
2: Just am I want to train the phone on you and just let you bob your head. Uh, we should because the uh, one of the first videos when Facebook got into videos and stuff that yeah. I did just just for a test, you know, a test piece was um, I was I happened to be at a paint shop. You know how they have those uh, paint can shakers? Yes. So they put a uh, paint can on there and it was shaking. So okay. I did a 10-second video and reached like five million people. <laughs> it, what? it was so stupid. I'm like, we hadn't done it yet, and I think I put it on trucking. So if you look back like three or four oh, years, well, on that's trucking, why because you, yeah. you put on trucking. Yeah, I know, but still, it's hilarious.
1: All so these they've people watched. They got a massive, you know, database full of people. Well,
2: here's what sucks is I, I think they were expecting it to explode or something, and it never did. So. Totally just had a can of paint shaking. So
1: anticlimactic. It's so anticlimactic. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) All right. First one is from Spencer. Hey, guys. I was super excited when I found a podcast about trucks. Love the show and listen to the past episodes that I've downloaded. I'm a diesel mechanic, truck guy, and a four-wheeler. I have a question for you guys. Do you think that Toyota will ever put some kind of diesel in the Tundras? Overseas, Toyotas have diesels in the Hilux trucks and in the 70 Series Land Cruiser. I know emissions plays a big role in diesels, plus the headache that DEF and the aftermarket treatments can be. Thanks, Spencer. Oh, P.S. Sorry, Lightning. Old stuff is cool.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. That's fine. Old
2: stuff is cool. So I don't know.
1: Holman, what do you think? Are we going to see diesels in Toyotas?
2: Well, so it's funny is— state uh- Stateside. There have been a plethora of rumors over the years in regards to the Tundra getting a diesel. Originally, it was going to be Hino, so those of you who might be familiar with Hino trucks overseas, that's a- uh, That's the H-I-N-O? hino that's a division of Toyota, and- um, Do you know that I did not know that?
1: Well, there I, you go. I didn't know so, uh, that Hino was Toyota.
2: Hino has some diesels, and so originally, there was going to be a Hino possibly coming in, in the-, uh, in the Toyota Tundra. And then at one point, uh, the 5-liter Cummins that's in the Nissan Titan XD um, apparently doesn't have any exclusivity agreement, so another manufacturer could partner with them. Mm. And so there were rumors for a while that that engine might show up in the Tundra. Um, But I think, you know, as far as anything that I know currently, their aspirations to get into that three-quarter ton space sort of vaporize. And we've talked about this before, that Toyota builds every truck that they can, you know, sell. Um, so they're not hurting for anything. So the current truck is. Soldering. Or do they sell every truck they build? They might do that too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they they have you know they have all the sales they need. The plant's maxed out. There's not a whole lot of incentive to push the boundaries because they're doing everything that they need to do to keep that business case alive. Uh, at some point, the new Tundra will come out, and hopefully, with everybody else being in the diesel space, Toyota will jump in. But as of right now, I don't see anything in the future that nothing, certainly on the horizon, that would say there's a diesel coming to the Toyota Tundra.
1: What about um, because they are so far advanced when it comes to like their Prius line, things like that? Are we going to see an e-torque type of? Uh,
2: electric management in their engine system? Yeah, I, I think you'll see that from all the manufacturers at some point, whether that's uh, 18 months away or five years away. Um, I could almost, uh, unless something drastic changes in the marketplace, I could almost assure you that every truck or vehicle that gets less than 20 miles per gallon uh, in the future will have some sort of electrification. Electrification you know, adds a lot in terms of torque, e-assist, but also fuel economy for meeting CAFE standards, drivability, energy production, you know all the things that the future vehicles are going to need. So I think every manufacturer on some level is looking at a form of electrification. Hmm. All right, I've got one here uh, from Eric in Texas. And Eric says, uh, Lighting and Holman, this is Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hello. says, uh, just finished listening to the diesel tuning episode and was very surprised to hear you mention tuning of tractors. He says, as I'm- Wait, a f- which is the diesel tuning episode? Is that the one way back with- no, no, no. Sean from Cummins? No, Calibrated Power Solutions. Oh, yes. Yeah, two, okay. was it two episodes again? I think that was episode 28. <laughs> I've already forgotten two oh episodes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Paul, Paul Wilson. It was Paul from Duramax? Yeah, Duramax tuner yeah. and Calibrated Power Solutions. Got it. All right, so he says, uh, as I am a farmer and currently <laughs> running an EcoTune John Deere tractor. Oh, nice. He says, just as modern pickup trucks have emission controls, EGR, DPF, DEF, farm equipment also has to abide by the same rules. With that being said, the tractor we had tuned was originally 245 horsepower and is now 345 horsepower. Oh, hot damn. And still maintains all the factory emissions equipment. Very cool to hear your different guests speak of clean power. Have listened to the Gale episode and Kaufman episode multiple times. All around an excellent show and look forward to listening every chance I get. Five stars! Ooh, five stars! five stars! It's beautiful. And he says, um, attached is a pick of a couple of my tractors and my 01 Ram 2500 diesel six speed work truck which i believe is the G56 transmission. He says size large if you guys get some shirts, keep up the great work, Eric in Texas. And here's a photo of his John Deere setup. Dang. So what's he do what what is it what crop is that? I, you know I don't know. I think that's corn. Is it corn? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's a corn. Big ass field and uh, what do you call that machine on the left? That he's I pulling? think it would be a combine, but combine. I'm not. A, I'm not 100 sure since I'm not in agriculture. I'm sure there are people listening going, but "That's the, you that... dummies! What are, you
1: don't know what you're talking about that's with the your machine that uh, always chops up the dead bodies in the horror movies?" Yes, that's how I know it. Yeah, yep, same that's thing. exactly <laughs> right. All right, so this one is titled "Best Podcast Ever." No this way. Is from Jacob, and Jacob says, "Dear Lightning and Home," and I'm a listener from Vacaville, California, and I found your podcast from TruckTrend.com. Oh, nice, and I've enjoyed. Enjoyed every podcast from the start. I started my passion by riding dirt bikes in the Lake Tahoe area. Very cool. And I now currently own four dirt bikes, one of a kind, two thousand African Twin imported from Europe.
2: Oh, uh, very cool. Oh, interesting. The Honda. I, I don't. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. So Honda entered the uh, the uh, adventure bike. Uh, you know, the BMW guys are all adventure biked out. The uh, Africa Twin is a is a Honda adventure bike. Very cool bike.
1: God, did it, does it have saddlebags and stuff or no? Yeah,
2: you can get the what they call the panniers or or whatever the different boxes. And stuff. you yeah, got anyway. me.
1: I'm one of your younger listeners at 16, and I'm currently about to buy my first truck, a 1972 Chevy C10, with plans to do an engine swap. I've grown into a huge car and truck enthusiast with a love for everything. And now for the important reason for this email. I have to say that Fall Guy should definitely stay around. That's two more in the Holman column, by the way. I think we need more blasts from the past, especially with all these Hollywood movie magic tricks, a.k.a. Fast and the Furious, Always love your show and look forward to every new episode. And I left a five star review on iTunes. Yes, five
2: star, five star.
1: You almost left me hanging right there, yeah, almost. And that again is from Jacob. And if we get a size large shirt, which we should soon, I will send it to you.
2: Very cool, man. That that was awesome. Um, I'm all about a uh, an old square body Chevy. No wonder you like the Fall Guy. That's uh, that's awesome. All right, so I got one from uh, Tyler Meekum. This might be my favorite email we've read in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, even eclipsing the, uh, our friends from uh, Canada who sent me pictures of their Newfie. Okay. So uh, Tyler says, "Lighting and Holman, keep up the good work. I really enjoy listening to the podcast. It really helps the time fly here in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. He says, every time you bring up mini trucks, I think all five family members packing into our 89 Toyota pickup as a kid. My current work truck is an International Max Pro, but unlike Mr. Landfield, we can't tune or race them. And he sends a, uh, a photo of his uh, truck here. Oh, what is that? Uh, so I'm guessing that's in, that is a very heavily armored. Uh, it's a international base. Okay, but so it's not a uh, buffalo and it's not a cougar and it's not a JLTV. But I'm not sure what it is.
1: This is very interesting. So describe that. It is a heavily armored four wheel drive. Those tires have to be
2: forties, Yeah, something like that. Look mean, how the, tall he is compared yeah. to the tires. No, it's it's massive. Well, he says, uh, five stars, five stars! <laughs> sorry. and he signs it Sergeant Meekum So uh, to Sergeant Meekum, thank you so much for the email. Thank you for your service. Uh, we really appreciate you writing in the Truck Show podcast. And honestly, uh, on behalf of Lightning and myself, for all of our soldiers and uh, military members who are overseas who have written us in the past and talked about how this show is a little taste of home, those are our favorite emails to get. And if we can do anything for you guys, don't hesitate to reach out because we love hearing from you. So stay safe out there. Absolutely. I second that. Holman, who are we uh, calling? We're going to call uh, my friend Jeff Delin who's the uh, chief marketing officer over at Bulletproof Diesel in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Now, I think I know Bulletproof
1: Diesel because of their work. I want to say it's a lot of Ford parts for the 6.0, yep. right?
2: Yep. So uh, for all those people who uh, have a 6.0 and want to make it Bulletproof, yep. uh, they sell everything you need to make that engine basically as reliable as a 7.3, if you can believe that. It's actually, at its core, a very, very good engine, and Bulletproof has built this business around making them last.
3: Hey, this is Jeff.
2: Jeff, Lightning and Holman Truck
1: Show Podcast. How you doing?
3: Hey, you guys. I'm doing great. How you guys doing?
1: Fantastic. What's we up, brother? We have got a lot to talk to you about. You've got a lot of things to tell us, but first, we've got to play your intro. Don't move. Welcome to the parts department.
3: Screw. Nut. Filter. Oil. Grill. Tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights,
1: gears, belts, and your wife warns you not to spend our money. And then you'll want to come back. So Jeff, you're in the parts department and you're selling us stuff and our wife is pissed. No, we, no, no. She's not pissed because here's not. the deal. No,
2: you bought a six liter Super Duty. Yeah. And it broke down. Yeah. And she's tired of it blowing off boots, the EGR getting all messed up, the uh, c- computer failing. So you're buying parts from Bulletproof Diesel. Oh, so, automa- so we don't so we don't have to go buy a new truck. Yeah. So this oh. your wife actually wants you to spend
1: money here. Oh, very interesting. So wait, but after I spend money, do I have to go buy our Gucci bag? probably okay
3: (laughs) (laughs) so jeff what's up buddy hey you guys well it's it's nice to hear from you both of you really i know it's been a while it has indeed it has indeed. and i feel like we should let people know i'm not just some geek off the street
2: well i I did set it up and let them know that uh, you and i used to work together and at one point, oh, good, good. you were the... Although uh,
3: that slightly
2: works against you, Jeff. Got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff was, Jeff was actually uh, the publisher of Hot Rod Magazine at one point. And he also has worked in the off-road side uh, with us in the past, uh, Off-Road Magazine and some of those other great titles. And is currently the chief marketing officer for Bulletproof Diesel.
3: And if I could just say, I was moonlighting when I was at Hot Rod. Like, I like muscle cars. I like horsepower. I like all that stuff. But I was a truck guy the whole time. So I was just kind of like... Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm running hot rod and <laughs> on the weekends I was wheeling. So I can vouch it, was, for it this. was fun.
1: So we're dying to know, Jeff, before we get into the product line, the company did or did it not start around and I guess it's what, two brothers started the company?
3: Yeah, yeah. Ken and Gene and, and
1: They got started around the six oh, the Ford six oh, and was it because they were trying to fix something or they saw a hole in the market? Like, take us back to the beginning. Of Bulletproof.
3: Ken and Gene Neal, these guys are our brothers. And Ken was a big desert racing fan, and he would go down and, and run support for desert racing teams all the time. He kept buying different trucks to do, and they kept falling apart. He bought half ton trucks and it didn't work. Uh, he bought a three quarter ton truck and he started having engine problems. He bought another three quarter ton truck and had engine problems. He was buying these Ford six liters, and he would have the same problems over and over again. And then when he would replace you know, everything they needed to be replaced with new parts, they would fail again. And so being an engineer, uh, Gene was interested to try to fix this problem, and Ken is just a man that won't stop at anything. He's a he's a mechanic, all kinds of talented guy. So they dug into this Ford 6-liter, they talked to the Ford engineers, and uh, they kind of figured out what what was wrong with it. There were a few things that, that they termed pattern failures, and uh, when when they figured out how... To fix these things, they started coming around with the aftermarket, and it turned out there were millions of people that were interested in uh, getting their six liters fixed. So that the rest is kind of history.
1: How many six liter Ford Super Duties are on the are out in, in on on the roads?
3: Left on the roads, that's you know that's something we talk about a lot at Bulletproof because we wonder how many of these six liters are left on the road. Probably, yeah. The first five or six years that they were out, there wasn't a good solution for them. And so people just kept shedding them. Six liters weren't worth anything when they were used. Uh, it, it, it was like a like a cursed engine.
2: People had a gave it a horrible reputation because they had so many problems with it. And at yeah. the heart of the six liter, which followed the 7.3, uh, that was before Ford had decided to take Power Stroke in-house. And it was the last, or one of the last collaborations, obviously 6.4 was the last one, between yep. International and Ford. And it was very tense. There were lawsuits involved. International is that I didn't know that? International. yeah, international gave a very, very good engine with certain parameters. And Ford, because of whatever reasons and cost cutting and other factors in the marketplace, redesigned some product and element to bring the cost down for the consumer. And those are the types of things that would have these failure patterns that Jeff's talking about. So originally, the six leader had a horrible reputation. But now you see six-liters that have all those things fixed that are out competing in drag pulls and, and diesel racing and all that stuff, putting out big numbers. And it's been a very popular engine in the last two or three years since people figured out what the secret sauce is to fix them. Well,
1: there's guys with million miles on these 6Os, right?
2: Absolutely.
3: You bring up an interesting point here because at the time I was at Off-Road Magazine and we had a six-liter project truck. And it was the bane of my existence. I hated it. You <laughs> had it,
2: so many problems with that thing.
3: We called it the STD. Do you remember that, Sean? I do, <laughs> actually. <Yeah. laughs> it was this giant truck. It had 40s on it when I got it. It was a uh, six liter. It was painted purple and gray and all these clouds. Yeah, was this like bluish purple color. Really? Yeah. It sounds yeah. hideous. It was horrible. And so we kept having the same problems over and over and over and over on it. And then one day my boss, uh, Steve Von Segrin, called me and said jeff there's these two guys in the parking lot they say they know how to fix a six liter and i was like okay okay boss i'll get on and talk to him and we're used to talking to all kinds of strange folks that walk in off the street and say they can fix this and fix that but i figured well i'll go talk to these guys and i talked to him and they told me uh that they had a fix for the six liter and they started explaining it to me and i said well if you guys are right i mean this is a big deal i mean this is a really big deal and uh to fast forward to a few years later, they were right. They, they, they really had it figured out, and uh, it kind of changed the whole perception of that 6-liter engine.
1: So, were they on the leading edge of fixing these problems, or were there other companies chasing this?
3: You know, At the time, I'm not aware of any other companies that were chasing it. it, it, it essentially, everyone ran from that engine. There was a, a replacement engine that had been re- uh, released at the time, the 6-4, so everyone was looking towards that. Uh, Ford wasn't really interested in developing products to fix that six-liter. They would just warranty the six-liter until the warranty was over, and then they were just like, "All right, well, you guys, you can you can buy replacement parts, but uh, but we're looking forward to our new engines now." And so consumers didn't really have any good options at the time for the six-liter, and it sucked for a lot of people because they had bought the truck for business reasons and they expected a service life of you know six or eight years or whatever, and here they were with 30,000 miles, 40,000 miles, 50,000 miles, and they had this truck, they couldn't keep running. And so, uh, Ken and Gene developing these products specifically to fix this engine really, really solved a lot of problems for people. And they'd always told me when I was working at the magazines, hey, if you're ever in Arizona, you know, we'd love for you to come join the team. And so, kind of, that's what happened. And uh, it's been a great match. I really love working at Bulletproof, and it's almost like a boutique service because. It's a place where people go for the very, very, very best. And uh, it's been so much fun working there.
2: And what's interesting is, you know, a lot of people blame the 6-liter for being the engine that broke up Ford and Navistar's relationship. And the 6-liter was literally, you would have a perfectly capable Super Duty, great condition, being sold for pennies on the dollar because the engine was junk. Or because of Blue yep. Head Gasket, or, you know, I, I believe coming out of the, you know, class action lawsuit that I believe Ford ended up um, uh, settling, owners and lessees of the 03 to 07 Super Duties got re- deductible reimbursements. They got, um, uh, they paid out for out of warranty engine repairs. There are a lot of issues. So there's EGR cooler, EGR valve, oil cooler, fuel injector, turbocharger. Head studs on the just original just
1: laundry list, of stuff a, a laundry
2: on. list of stuff. So what people finally figured out is once um, the Neal brothers and 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 got bulletproof off the ground and started making waves for making these engines reliable and fixing all these issues, a lot of guys out racing or pulling ended up finding these perfectly good Super Duty trucks with dead six liters bringing them to Bulletproof, and basically getting into a really good diesel truck for relatively cheaply. Now, were those guys, um, Jeff, were the owners
1: installing those parts or just selling them mail-order style back in the day? Or Hey, Holman, I can hear you sucking down the drink over there. I'm this, not this, doing that. You're squeaking the straw. What? No, you should yeah. turn my mic down. Hold on. No, hold on. I'm running well, anyway, out of ice. Lighting. My ice is super low. <laughs> <laughs> we are—we never claim to be professionals. I'll tell you right now, Jeff. Hold on, we have to—we have to apologize. We are deeply sorry. <laughs> all right. So, um, uh, w- how were they getting the parts out, or were they doing everything right there in Arizona? Because w- w- there was guys all over the country with these problems.
3: Essentially, the uh, the EGR cooler was the most apparent problem. It would rupture because it would get starved for coolant. And then right away, it would overheat, and the the metal inside it would expand, and the coolant would mix with the exhaust fumes, and it would be a whole big mess. Uh, So that was the most apparent thing that was happening. and Everyone had to keep replacing that EGR cooler over and over and over again. But finally, what they figured out was it was the oil cooler, which was uh, above it in the stream of coolant. So uh, debris and coolant would plug up that oil cooler, and then no coolant would get to the EGR cooler. So the EGR cooler would rupture, but it was really the oil cooler that's causing the problem. So, so it's a
1: domino effect. Interesting.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because that not only caused the EGR cooler to rupture, but it caused a bunch of other problems all over the engine. I mean, from injector function to the high pressure oil pump. I mean, all kinds of problems when the oil isn't getting cooled the way it should be.
2: And you have to remember and- that these use a very special um, oil-based injector, same yep. as the 7-3, that doesn't really yep. exist. It's not solenoid, it's not uh, piezo, piezo, it's not any of those, right? It's this international design. So any type of contamination within the oil stream would foul up your injectors as well. Oh, okay
3: yeah and even the temperature of that oil because if, if oil gets hot it's too thin and so the injector function wasn't the way it should be so what was the first product that they launched they came up with the egr cooler first because they came up with a design that wouldn't rupture as easy but then once they really understood that it was this oil cooler causing all the problems they developed this awesome oil cooler system that deleted the stock version of it and put a radiator-like heat exchanger up near the grill of the vehicle which doesn't rely on the coolant stream at all anymore to cool that oil. And so no matter what gets clogged up, your oil still gets cooled and you avoid all those problems.
2: So talk about some of the other upgrade parts that you make, especially the ficum. I think that is a— uh, what did you just say? The ficum, The what? The ficum.
1: <laughs>
2: you, did you say it again? ficum.
1: That's
2: what she said! Sorry, go ahead. Uh, The FICM. Jeff, I'll let you uh, talk about your FICM. That's what she said. (laughs) Or the FICM, if you prefer. That's what she said.
3: (laughs) The fuel injection control module. And uh, essentially, it's an electronic box that controls the fuel injection. uh, And it always is supposed to output 48 volts. And that's how it works regularly. But we've been finding that uh, a lot of the stock Ford FICMs, drop below 48 volts, and it leads to hard starts and and rough idle and stuff like that. So we came up with a couple of options, military-grade pick that have four or six phases to them, and we can set them, the six-phase ones, for 53 or 58 volts. So there's never a voltage problem with those things. This this is sounding pretty boring and specific to anyone that's not a six liter fan. But
2: nope, sounds
1: awesome.
3: No, no, no. Let go
2: on. That's funny. I don't
1: recall asking for a
4: really, 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 really,
1: really, really boring story. My God. You No one cares.
2: That's not true. Lots of people care. Lots of people own six liters and they want to know how to make
1: them right. I don't want to think them is. He already told you. I just say he described Fuel that I still injection
2: don't. control module. I get it. And
1: that's there, what she <laughs> said.
3: And you should there see. There are two other products. <laughs> two other products. <laughs> Jeff, we
2: have to apologize uh, for the I got some new sound effect. effects. I'm having fun <laughs> with here,
3: Jeff. Oh, so yeah. lightning. I, I, I drove an hour and a half to get to work in L.A. for for many years. So I heard uh, many of the things that you did on the, on the Kevin and Bean show. <laughs> we I'm would
1: like to apologize life, for that uh, right uh, now, yeah. Jeff.
3: Oh, hold on one second.
1: <laughs> we are deeply sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Jeff, here's the question. You've now solved all of the ills of the Ford six liter. Yes. And and at some point, all that are on the road will find their way to you, and you'll exhaust that. Where does yes. the business go from there?
3: So on the on the enthusiast side, we keep producing parts for pickup trucks. So we're we're moving into support for Cummins six seven owners, uh, Duramax six six owners, and and we're we're making those EGR coolers with the technology that allows them to subsist when when other stock EGR coolers fail. So we're going in those directions, but kind of a new exciting direction for us has also been uh, kind of commercial fleets. So, so Nestle called us one day, Nestle Foods, and they said, we heard you guys are really good at making EGR coolers, and we have 1,500 trucks, and we can't get these EGR coolers to survive. <laughs> and you're
1: like, pay so- us in chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which chocolate milk, please? <laughs> yes.
3: <love> <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so... Long story short, we figured out an EGR cooler for them, and they were happy. And then PepsiCo heard about that, and so Pepsi called us up and said, we've got a bunch of trucks, and then it just snowballed from there. So Cal Fire, L.A. County Fire, um, we're, we're picking up uh, municipal contracts and all that kind of stuff because EGR coolers are, are a part that's historically been such a problem for fleets. So we're making them now for, uh, you know, bigger trucks. School buses, why? Why are stuff. they such
1: a? Why are they such a problem?
3: So essentially, what an EGR cooler does is it reroutes some of the exhaust gas back into the combustion chamber, and uh, the the goal is to uh, stop some of the emissions, some of, some of these nitrous emissions that come out of the uh, the diesel engine. Uh, and so, EGR coolers work fine in perfect conditions. So if everything's working great, EGR coolers work great. The, the thing that happens is if EZR coolers don't get coolant, they start to expand because of the, the, you know, the heat causes the metal to expand. And so no one's really designed a, a good EZR cooler that could survive when it didn't get coolant until the Neal brothers did. And essentially what they did was they braided the tubes inside. So when the tubes would expand, uh, not only would they get longer, but they would kind of have the ability to expand to the side as well. In a, in a braid. And more
2: surface area, right? Because of the braided design exactly. allows there to be some more space in order to cool off that EGR gas.
3: Very astute of you, Sean. That, that is correct. So about ten percent more surface area too. So kind of a double-headed sword to combat that hot, hot you know heat expansion that causes the metal to expand, the EGR cooler to rupture, and all that bad stuff to happen. Uh, we call it H core, and the H core is a braided design inside that. Even if the EGR cooler doesn't get coolant for a while, it's still okay.
1: And did they patent this design? And how many cheap Chinese companies have tried to rip you off? <laughs>
3: <laughs> they did patent it. I think we've got it in 160-something countries now, and, and, wow. and that's why they let me talk about it. For the first eight months I worked at the company, I wasn't allowed to tell any media about this because they kept getting patent you know, after patent after patent. And if you know, that, if you
2: know Jeff? You know how hard that was. <laughs> <laughs> Biting his tongue.
1: Oh, well, he came from Media and he wants to talk to me to so, Yeah, absolutely. All right, so they're try they're getting patent after patent after patent and they're like, Until these are done and solidified, you can't say squat.
3: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, as far as I know. So anyway, it was a it was a long process before I could tell anyone about it. But once they once Pan and Gene felt uh felt comfortable showing the world, uh they said, Go for it, Jeff. So um we've been showing everyone it's been a great response and uh and we're excited what's what's going to happen for the future because uh, not only does International have problematic uh, EGR coolers, but there's been a, a Cummins model that has been particularly rough on EGR coolers. And so we're moving into that school bus segment. And, and uh, well, which Ram are you uh, talking
1: about? No, which you can tell I don't know. us. It might not be a Ram. He just said, "Didn't he say Cummins?"
2: Yeah, it doesn't mean well, it's, yeah, totally you guys are right. it's a Ram. He, he said school bus, so there's medium duty. Cummins makes, They make everything up to like no
1: 20 what, liter engine. But I'm just thinking, well, okay, so you're right. I'm self-centered. Yeah. I'm thinking I like <laughs> trucks. It must be a truck. Yeah. Is it not a truck?
3: You guys are both right. Crazy <laughs> so, so the, the, it's 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 a bus version of that Ram six seven. So the, even though the pickup Ram six seven has uh, had some problems and we're gonna produce an e- well, we do produce an EGR cooler for that. Uh, there is a bus version of that engine that's not the same as the pickup version and apparently a lot of school bus people are tearing out their hair they can't figure out what to do so uh, we're trying to give my hand.
1: That's amazing and how are the OEs with this because at some
2: point you got to figure you know or or, or have they even approached you to be on any OE
3: programs? So that's a once again a very astute question, and we have been approached. No, I by asked that one. <laughs> don't give don't give Holman all the credit hey, for asking question. You know what?
2: Just because I'm astute, you don't have to be all jellyfish.
3: Stop. That's for you. Shut yeah. up. Hey, somebody take that board away from Lightning. <laughs> anyway, we we have been approached by an OE, and I have signed, uh, believe it or not, a uh, a, a form uh an nda a non-disclosure agreement no, i'm, I'm not very familiar with those <laughs> yes yes indeed i'm sure you are in fact john i have a good story about you and an nda no but i'll bring it up some other time <laughs> nah, that's
1: okay. and so what other what other products can we look for coming out of bulletproof for some of the new vehicles specifically
3: well the, the cool thing is is because we have the core business that continues to expand and do well and, and open up to new markets, uh, it kind of leaves Ken and Jean open to come up with products that are fun, that they like, that they want to use. And so these guys love to go down to Baja. They love to spend time uh, running support for Baja racing and stuff like that. So they've come up with products that have nothing to do with the diesel market. Uh, like, you know, that third brake light that's on the top of the cab on a pickup truck. Yes. Uh, above the truck bed. Yes. So, now that Fords are aluminum-bodied trucks, um, magnetized antenna mounts didn't work anymore. So, uh, funny story about with...
2: that. If you buy a brand new okay. Ford F one hundred and fifty that is charcoal gray, okay, all right, you know the you know what the name of that color is.
1: I uh, I no I don't. okay so the, lay it on me.
2: The trucks are aluminum, right? Okay, that color is called magnetic gray.
1: Because it's not magnetic,
2: Right, so somebody in the design department <laughs> snuck that past the sensors, and that's an inside joke at Ford, I guarantee you. Interesting.
3: Yeah, wow, how did that happen?
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> people like us get hired places. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. So we developed, a, a, or Ken developed, rather, a, an antenna mount that goes behind that third-brake cargo light, and it's at the high point of the truck. You don't have to drill into the aluminum body. And we are like, oh, that's really cool. You know, people with aluminum bodies have a solution now. And then people with steel bodies started calling us like crazy. You know, people with Chevys, people with Toyotas, uh, people with Dodges. And they said, hey, we really like that mount. And we're like, well, you guys don't need it. You can use a magnetic mount. And they're like, we don't want a magnetic mount. So uh, we've been developing that product for all kinds of trucks now. Well, and, so how uh, does it
1: – I'm trying to picture out how, how does this work? It uses – the stock, the bolt holes of that third brake light?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, what you do is you unbolt the housing of that third brake light. You put our uh, mount in, which is kind of like a template that looks the same shape as the brake light. Like a gasket you, almost? Yeah. And then you put that brake light housing back over it, use longer screws that we provide, and uh, and that's pretty much it. It's really easy to install. It's
2: magic.
1: It is magic.
3: Yeah. So you, you, you guys
1: are magicians over there.
2: So you know, I, I think I don't think we covered <laughs> what are what are your like top five selling six liter products that are out there. I don't know if we covered the gamut of what you need to fix your six liter.
3: There are exactly five pattern failures that the guys uh, identified in this engine, and and once again, the, the most important one is that oil cooler kit. The oil cooler system has a tendency to get plugged up by coolant, and so uh, what you want to do is separate that from the coolant line altogether, which is what we do. So the, the oil cooler is probably the most important. And then you've got the EVR cooler, which we make one with a lifetime warranty. Uh, after that, there's the FICM that we talked about, the fuel injection control module. Right. And beyond that, we make a couple of pretty cool things. Uh, uh, the Believe it or not, the water pump in the 6-liter has a plastic impeller. It looks like the propellers. That, that part's plastic. And so, after time, it, it tends to kind of degrade. It breaks down. It kind of disintegrates. And so, we make a fully billet aluminum uh, water pump with with upgraded bearings, which, and,
2: by the way, is a shame to put facing inside your engine. Yeah, I it's did. Super pretty. I,
1: I did see that on the website, <laughs> and it's a work of art.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's a cool-looking piece, that's for sure. So um, that's one of the other pattern failures that has been identified in that six-liter engine. And finally, um, there just weren't enough bolts holding those cylinder heads to the block on that thing and the bolts that they did use from from the factory were called torque to yield which means when you tighten them all the way they squeeze a little bit and they get a little bit longer so that they have a little bit more grip in that thread but what happens is they they basically become deformed a little bit and so when when there weren't enough bolts to attach those cylinder heads to the to the block uh, what would happen is anytime you really got on that engine, or maybe had a a, a a tuner hooked up to it to give you some extra horsepower, there would be so much strain on on the cylinder head bolts that they would they would actually stretch a little bit, and so they you know the the head gaskets would be compromised, and and that's just trouble from there. So ARP, you know, who makes all the good bolts and everything like that, uh, makes a set of head studs. For the six liter, and uh, they kind of solved that problem.
1: So, what would it cost me if I found if if Uncle Joe leaves me a you know uh, a six o and it's in good shape and I I'm I'm really sorry restore to restore it? Hear about Uncle Joe, by the way. Yeah, he passed. It was <laughs> My sad. condolences. I love that Uncle Joe, <laughs> but he smelled weird. Yeah, that was the well, problem with Uncle you know. <laughs> Joe. Okay, so so Uncle Joe leaves me a truck, and and I, how's it? How much is it going to cost me to do the full ball of wax on this thing?
3: Well, I mean, you can really get as fancy as you want. So, I mean, if you really want to do all the bells and whistles and, and go through with the cylinder heads and everything, um, I mean, you could spend upwards of, of, you know, eleven, twelve grand, really making sure that there's nothing wrong in a six liter and that it'll last for hundreds of thousands of miles. But the cool thing is that not everyone needs that. You know, I mean, people can come in and say, "I, I, I don't need every bell and whistle and anodized part or." I don't need all the fancy stuff you know let, let me see what is at risk here and let me see what i can prepare for and and so that's what a lot of people do so uh, essentially it's a case-by-case basis and and we've got a great facility in mesa where we uh take people on and, and look at their problems and try to fix them but we've got a preferred installer network throughout the whole united states and part of canada uh where uh shops actually have to take a test to get certified by bulletproof diesel And uh, once they do and they demonstrate knowledge of the parts, we let them sell the parts. Pretty much anywhere in the United States or or Western Canada, you're covered by bulletproof diesel. So I feel like this has been a great
2: conversation about how to make your six liter reliable. But I also feel like we kind of buried the headline here because you have a tank at work and we need to talk about
1: that. I saw that on the website. I'm like, why do you have a tank?
2: What kind of question is that? Why don't the real question should be, why doesn't anyone else
3: have a tank?
1: Oh, yeah. All right. Good yeah. point. Good point.
3: That's it. I mean, why wouldn't you buy a tank? The guys had the money. I'm, I'm sure they saw it could be a marketing write-off, and they're like, well, well, we can't not buy this tank. We can't not <laughs> well, afford what you it, do it. So. Well, what do you
1: do with it? Does it work? Do you drive it around?
2: We ran, ran over great. a Prius in the magazine with you it. You did? Yes.
3: <laughs> we did it for roadkill, yeah, with uh, Freiburg and Finnegan. ran over a Prius in the tank. And, that uh, is awesome.
1: Every... What was the premise to the scene? Why? Obviously, we all hate Priuses, but why did you? Why? Just because? I think, yeah, I think it's pretty hashtag because tank. No, it right, was, right. there had yeah. to be a storyline.
2: So, if you uh, go to uh, Motor Train on Demand mm-hmm. and uh, check out the Roadkill episode that has the tank crushing the Prius, that is the guy, that, the guys at Bulletproof, the brothers. That's their tank. I
1: get that, and I'm just answering. I'm asking, what was the premise? Like, why did you go? What was the
2: episode? Like we're going to go crush a, crush a Prius. Like I don't need a premise. It's all gratuitous tint crushing <laughs> Prius. I thought yeah, I don't even remember yeah. the I I just remember uh Gene and Neil called us up and said, "Hey, we want to uh crush a Prius. Do you guys want to do something with us?" And it was like, "Okay." Oh, they yep, just
1: offered. Yep. So that's how it happened. They're like, "Okay, great. We hate we hate these cars." <laughs> all right, well, we good, love and,
3: and what a great segue to Motor Trend on demand huh? cuz that's where you can see it. So, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> full circle. Full <laughs> circle Maybe, here. Yeah. But it, so we still run over stuff with that tank. Every Friday, we move it back into our yard, a big fenced-in area. And so I started asking the guys, hey, uh, when we move it back in there, can I just put something under the tank treads? And everyone's like, sure. So I put everything from uh, refrigerators to, uh, like, weight sets to, I mean, any toilets, anything okay, here's can the deal. think of.
2: Everybody knows that on Friday night, you put something out on your curb, right? Because the junk people are coming on Saturday morning about 5 in the morning to come pick it up. So what Jeff does is he wakes up (laughs) at 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, (laughs) travels around Mesa, and finds all that free crap that you guys are leaving on your parkway and, uh, and yep. bringing it to crush it with the tank. So if Even you ever got to clean all that crap up, if you ever had a china cabinet, an old refrigerator that didn't work, a stained mattress, <laughs> Jeff has been the guy who came by your house and picked
3: that Although up. Although I don't
1: think a mattress is going to be exciting to run, you know, to drive over. <laughs> it will be if all the springs get caught in your tracks. It's hard to beat the Prius.
3: Perhaps the worst thing I've uh, been there to run over, a can of beets, a can of beets. And uh, we A put can in of front beets? Yes, a can of sliced uh, beets. And uh, let me tell you, when, when that can ruptured and all the beets splattered me at like 150 miles an hour, <laughs> they went in my nasal passages. <laughs> they went in my eye passages. I like uh, I, so it I, must have been one of those big a, like catering dude. Cans he of beets. was
1: like a little oompa loompa, so he was just covered <laughs> in purple.
3: <laughs> I still can smell that smell in my my nose cavities. I can smell it up in there. I think what was the last stuff. time you ate beets? longer than that, because ever since that happened, I can't eat anymore. It just uh, makes me nauseous.
2: I have the same thing about- uh, with fire- black, black licorice? No, well, ooh, yeah, no, I can't do black licorice, but I was going to say, um, what was the cinnamon schnapps before Fireball that uh, everybody Gold had? Sugar. Gold, Gold slugger. No, no, no. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, a hot damn. Hot damn. I've never oh, had gosh, hot damn. I
3: haven't heard about that in a long time. Yeah.
2: So hot damn, same thing. Cannot smell it, <laughs> look at it. And the first time somebody came with me with a uh, Fireball yep. shot- mm-hmm. Too close. You almost hurled. Yeah, right because there. and it yeah. was been it'd been like twenty years. Yeah, and I'm like, mm. I'm that
1: way with goldschlager. Is, yes, because drunkest I've ever been in my life by far. I once lost a friend in a
2: park. <laughs> <laughs> True story. We were at a house party, and there's a they were park adjacent. Okay, and we lost our friend Gabe. Yeah, and we couldn't find him anywhere. So we decided, uh, drunkardly, we were all going to go streaming out of the house and search the park, and we found him about twenty minutes later, half a mile away, uh, passed out under a tree. Oh, my God. Wow. With a completely empty bottle of Goldschlager next to him. Oh, no. So circumstantial evidence says he drank it. He may have been assaulted or accosted in the park, and then somebody just laid up a Goldschlager bottle. Or he could have poured it out, right? It was just dragged <laughs> yeah, it out. Yeah. Oh, th- this is bad to have. I'll pour it out, and I'm just going to take a nap. That could have happened also.
3: That's the kind of thing where you can't have any cinnamon for years. Like, even like yeah. big, big red gum, you're like, oh.
2: Oh, that's funny because oh. I can't do big red gum for that exact reason. So it's funny because I was yep. watching, you know, you yep. watch all those kids doing the cinnamon challenge. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you have not had Hot damn or Fireball, have you? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. All right. Well, Jeff,
1: oh my God. Well, you got a lot of work uh, ahead of you and uh, a lot of success behind and this is it's, it's great that you're solving problems for a lot of these diesel owners it's very cool and with all the with with our contracts moving forward with the oe with bus companies and, and and fire and this it's real it's really neat spot to be for you right now
3: hey well thanks a lot guys and uh can i say you guys do a real uh entertaining job at this uh, podcast a lot of people enjoy listening to it my friends were stoked that i was going on it that sean people you know like like John Kappa and Gusto and Jared Jones and Adam Blattenberg. So uh, Jerry Zayden was just on the show not too long ago, too, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah, so we had, we had Jerry to...
2: on, and uh, it, we yeah we've had some uh, we've had some awesome guests. So I'm glad that uh, that you could come be a part of the uh, the fun at the sh- truck show podcast.
3: Well, I'm honored, you guys, and thanks a lot for having me. I'd love to talk to you again sometime.
2: Oh yeah, we we will we will do that for sure, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at SEMA in uh, in a few weeks. I'll see
3: you there in Vegas. Awesome. All right, brother. All right, have fun. Thanks. Talk soon. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.
2: Holman,
1: I have a question for you. Uh, Go for it. I'm ready. What's new
2: in
3: trucks?
1: We need to know. Uh, what's new in trucks? We
3: need, new in trucks?
1: Uh, we need
4: to know.
1: What's new in trucks? We
4: need to know.
1: Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ugh! Ooh, that was that a good was one. Really good. Yeah, that was
2: solid. That yeah, was solid. Go up. All on. right. So, what do we have? Well, we got a ton of truck news this week, and we got yeah. a ton of truck news next week because this week I'm headed off to the uh, Texas State Fair where Ooh. they have a big truck uh, auto show. It's amazing. Lots of trucks. Does and, this
1: uh, does this music fit? I'm sure. Why not? It's not really. I, it's, it's not, not Texasy. Now it's not Texasy. It's more like the Bayou or Do so We need to apologize for this now.
0: No, I say we no, roll with it. Just, I like it. Uh, no, let's roll
1: with it. I actually like it. So all we have to do is say, we know this is not Texas, but we find the music funny. But it's it, it's not not Texas. It's not not Texas. Yeah, I guess so. Okay.
2: All right. What you got? All right. So uh, heading off to the Texas uh, State Fair, yep. and uh, we're going to have some uh, great, great things to talk about right. because there's so much that we can Yeah. So there's trucks, and then there's more trucks, what? and
4: then are going to have some truck too. Yeah, and then it's going to be a big. I truck. can't hear you. The truck is going to be big. What do you want to do? What do you
2: to do? go to Texas State <laughs> Fair. You should go there and have <laughs> frito pie. I'm actually only going because they have the best fried food at any fair in the I entire world. Be to... <laughs> oh, I don't have to yell anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah while there is a great uh, Truck auto show at the Texas fair That's not why I go Okay why do you go Uh, Fried food
0: Because that's what you need is
2: more fried food Dr. Pepper (laughs) Frito pie Dude have you had Frito pie No I haven't
1: What's the Uh, thing with Dr. Pepper in Texas Why is it such a thing Because that's where it's made Oh Waco
2: It, It is Yeah I didn't know that. Yeah, they have actually have a Dr. Pepper museum. Oh. And you can actually get the non-corn syrup uh, pure cane sugar Dr. Pepper. And how does that taste? Different. I know, but how? It's good, though. It's, is, it, know, like, it's me- is it like Mexican coke in a yes. bottle it's like the difference between regular Coke and Mexican Coke got it yeah but it's Dr. pepper a little so it's smoother awesome. then a little smoother okay so I love me some Texas I love my uh, my Texas brethren mm-hmm. I love their big trucks I mm-hmm. love their big guns I love their big freedom I love their food I love their barbecue I love everything about Texas except okay. for the giant bugs and the humidity love everything else
1: which you got truck news over all there.
2: right so uh As you guys know, the 2019 Ram 1500 was introduced recently. And uh, I, if you remember, uh, our friend Jim Morrison from the Ram brand. Yes. Uh, So Jim and I were talking when the truck was uh, unveiled. And the Rebel, which is the off-road model, was sort of positioned in between. So uh, better than a base model, not quite as uh, feature-filled as, say, a Laramie, Longhorn, or Limited. And so I talked to Jim, and I said, hey, what if you did a luxury package Rebel? Where you can get the full twelve-inch screen, and you get leather seats instead of the cloth seats, and you get a few niceties. And uh, guess what they just announced this week? No, they did not. They did. The tw- now, are you trying to take credit for that, or was it just? I will. Is s- it serendipitous? I no. I will say that. Uh, I think
1: I just used that, that. That word doesn't apply to this situation. Sure it does. does it. Does it serendipitous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so.
2: Uh, I'm just going to say that. Uh, very early on, I made the comment, and now that truck exists. I'm not going to say it was me, but I'm not going to not say it was me. <laughs> In fact, I talked to Jim this week, and he's like, Hey, you should talk about it on the podcast. I go, Can I tell them that I told you we should do this? He goes, Yeah, sure. I'm like, yes. <laughs> What makes you happy? Dumb kid. He's like, I don't care. Go away. Get out. Stop wasting my moments. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, so you can get a 2019 Ram 1500. They call it the Rebel 12 because it's getting that awesome 12 inch screen, updated stereo, leather seats. Okay. Very cool. So, for those of you who are looking, you know, Kind of torn between off road package limited and you like the limited interior better and that all that technology, but you really need the Rebel off road package, which is with its awesome Bilstein uh, shocks and uh, 33 inch tires and tow hooks and all that great stuff. This is
1: the best of both worlds, it is
2: the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Well,
1: obviously, because you made it
2: happen, didn't you? Well, I don't know they made it happen, but, <laughs> but I will say that I tossed it out into the universe, yes. lobbed one out there just to see what would happen, and uh, they made the truck that, uh, that if I were going to buy a new Ram, that's the truck that I would want. You get all the technology and the luxury, but you also get all the durability and off-road capability of the Rebel. Someone
1: Here's hands it. you seventy grand, yeah, and they say, you got to buy a truck. Uh-huh. You must buy a truck, or we take the money
2: back. Uh-huh. What do you buy? I don't know. That's a tough question because there's a lot of good trucks out there. Do you go with something that's not seventy grand and then pocket the rest of the money, or go to the aftermarket, or mm. do you have to spend it and it has to be a stock truck that you have to live with?
1: I think it. Uh, I think you gotta spend it. It's gotta be a stock truck. Mm.
2: Can we go over this next year when the rest of the trucks are out? No,
1: because next year there'll be a whole new slew of trucks and and the question will be eighty thousand dollars <laughs> exactly.
2: What are you um, gonna do? What are you gonna buy? Out of the trucks that got redesigned this year, I mean Tim Herrick, hell of a product with those new GMs. But yeah. Jim Morrison and his Ram lineup. Ugh.
1: I gotta say that the Rams, I've never owned one. And traditionally with Chrysler automotive products, mm-hmm. I am I have not been a fan, as I've been very mm-hmm. vocal about. However, these Ram trucks are stellar.
2: No, they're, they're they awesome.
1: really, and I'm not saying that because he's been a guest. I'm telling you that they are really, really good. amazing. Really, really good. And but, if I, but the Ford six seven, we've talked about it. I know almost ad nauseum. I know that's a strong truck.
2: And I heard that our friends at Nissan have some updates coming for the Titan. Oh, that we'll that's know wrong. About next my week. you're blowing my mind now. What are you buying? And what you I, do you do? And I also heard that Toyota has something to announce next week as well. Well, if you,
1: but hold on, hold on. If I gave you seventy, you're buying two Nissans. <laughs> but yeah, you got his it, and hers.
2: Yeah, right. Um, God, it's a tough question. There's a lot of good trucks out there. I, I remember, you know, twenty years ago, you would definitely there was definitely a better truck. You know, there were things you would avoid.
1: Most certainly there was and, a better truck. And
2: I don't see that today. I think all the manufacturers have so up their game. It's it's really hard and it's not impossible because it happens, but it's really hard to buy a bad truck today. And I think if all the trucks are taken on face value, they're very good. I think in terms of build quality stuff, they're all very close. And so I, I think you know for it's going to
1: come down just to styling and maybe some personal conference. preference. Yeah, and yeah.
2: I mean, and there's some things like the the new uh, GMs, the uh, the Denali and the Silverado 1500s. You have some weird things about them, like they don't have, you know, uh, the same safety suite as say the Ram does. They don't have adaptive cruise control. The uh, the seat belts on the A pillar aren't adjustable for height, which is sort of a, a weird thing. You know, so there's little little nitpicky things like that. I think the the powertrain can feel a little bit better than the Ram at times. I think the Ram the transmission tuning might be a little bit soft. Um, I think the Ford F-150 is, is still a great choice. I think there's a, a, a lot to talk about there. Um, Nissan, with their updates coming to the 2019 uh, Titan, I think that's also for the right buyer. That's a great truck to consider. Well, they have I mean,
1: economy t- going in spades, though. I mean, yeah, you, va- you value. So much more, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, value for that truck is great. So, I mean, God, it's just, you can't really buy a bad truck. And I, I don't, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, I'm only a Ford guy, I'm only a Chevy guy, I'm only a Ram guy, I'm only a Nissan guy, whatever the case may be. But the reality is, is if you sat in the competitor's truck, you might go, ooh, I'm missing out on something.
1: Well, see, that's what happened to me, and you know, I've talked about that. Is is that I have traditionally been a Chevy guy, and I wasn't as a youth, but um, I, in the last t- decade or so, I have been a, a bow tie guy. But man, I'm am telling you, these guys are giving a run for their money. You oh, no, know, that's super duty's pretty Nice. The Super Duty is super sweet, and like I said. It was a Chrysler product, but they broke it off into their own, and the Ram truck is just – it's amazing, that 6.7. And it rides so nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, coils in the rear, and their air suspension, and the fact that you can pick up the trailer without ever getting out of the truck. There's it's pretty so nice, many yeah. really nice features. Uh, that's, so that's the good.
1: answer to my question is, Lightning, go screw yourself, because I don't have an answer.
2: Yeah, I don't have an answer. Okay. I don't have an answer. I, I, I still haven't driven everything yet, either. Mm-hmm. That's out right now. And so uh, – Looking forward to uh, to getting some more seat time, and then you know maybe have to read some of my stories at Truck Trend and and Four Wheeler. But check this out. Guess what? I just got an invite to a. Hold on. Let me guess. Let me guess.
1: Snake eating exhibition.
2: Or the Ford Ranger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so okay.
2: I'll, I'll be driving that in uh, in December, so I'll be able to give you guys a Right the after radio. the snake eating? Right after that, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. And right after uh, our of the year competitions this year for four-wheeler and truck trend. Okay. All right, also in uh, truck news, uh, Roush just upgraded their uh, performance package for their F-150, and the Roush TVS R2650 supercharger package has advanced Fox Racing suspension, Roush Styling, uh, but the new engine calibration on the five liter delivers. Are you ready? I am. Yes.
1: Six
2: hundred and fifty horsepower. Oh my lord! Wow. And six ten torque. Okay. So yes. the, the Raptor, by comparison, is four fifty five ten. What's the weight? Uh, you know, I don't know. They they didn't publish any of that information. But the truck looks pretty uh, pretty awesome, and. Uh, I don't know. I like driving a truck with a blower, a V eight and a whole hell of it's a lot of power. Bad. I hope it's loud and just whines like yeah. a stuck pig. Well they don't say uh they don't say too much about the specs, but you can uh you can get a three year thirty six thousand mile limited warranty and the F one fifty S C starts at twenty two thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars above the base cost Ouch. of your F one fifty. Yeah.
1: Ouch. Well, I mean it's worth it a hell of a lot of truck. It's a lot of truck, and it will sell. And do I buy it off the lot, or do I take it to Roush?
2: Uh, I believe you can buy it from an affiliated dealership network. And in fact, one of the things I've been working on is trying to get a representative from Roush on the podcast to talk about their truck line because they're doing F-150 and Super Duty and bunch of other cool stuff, and they are an impossible company to get a hold of. Why? Literally 10 or more emails so far to various people within the organization, and nothing. Crickets. They just
1: don't do well. It's funny because it worked. You just did their announcement. Uh, uh, Right, yeah. And so they're effective.
2: Uh, They got their message out,
1: and they don't have to deal with the schlocky journalists. Uh,
2: Apparently. (laughs) Gee, thanks. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that uh, also came out this week is – Nissan has their dark sky concept, which is uh, off their Navarro pick. Ooh, now that is sexy. Which is off their Navarro pickup, which is like basically the overseas frontier. And so what's really interesting about that truck is um, it's really styled pretty awesome. It's towing an actual uh, European Space Agency telescope. And the idea is to have an off-road truck that can get you to a dark part of the country. That's what this trailer is? Yeah. Because it doesn't look like any trailer I've ever seen No, before. no. It, it doesn't. And the, just the styling and the lights on that thing are really cool. So, so take a look at the uh, – or Google the dark sky concept. Very cool. TruckTran.com, FourWheeler.com. There's a whole story about it. But I'm curious if that is a precursor to the upcoming Frontier.
1: Oh, wow. Let me read you this photo caption on the picture you just handed sure. me. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. In today's urbanized is... age – One of the most pressing obstacles to space observation is light pollution. Nissan has one solution in the form of a customized Novara midsize pickup, Europe's next generation version of the Frontier, designed to get astronomers to remote dark sky locations. That was pretty good. Can I try? try? Uh, Not with my echo. No,
2: come on. (laughs) No, No, I want to give it a try. Really? Yeah. Okay, all right, hold on. Go ahead. Go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go ahead. The Go ahead. Nissan Navara Dark Sky Concept exterior ESA trailer. Unveiled at the Hanover Motor Show. No, no, no it's it. not good? No, no it's like horrible. It? No, it's horrible. Nah. That's like a... That's what happens when I yeah. do the show with a radio guy. B Ooh.
1: movie? No, I
2: didn't do a very good job. Well, just, I know you didn't. You just That's did, why I wanted to try. You just did worse. Well, well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I can't really argue with that. Uh, and then uh, also the uh, next generation Tahoe was spied. And it has independent rear suspension for the first time. Independent rear suspension. Yes.
1: Let me just noodle that for a second. Sure. Okay,
2: uh, I'm done now. It'll what? be a 2020 Chevy Tahoe. So we should probably see it at the, I'm guessing, the Detroit Auto Show. When it's Begin independent rear week. suspension, it'll look like what? So it'll be similar to how the Expedition is. They're ditching the solid rear axle and they're doing it independent. They're not going to be as capable off-road. They usually aren't when they go to independent. But maybe Chevy has a a, a trick up their sleeve. But that's a huge departure from the... Now, uh, why
1: is that? Is You would think that independent suspension is better for off-roading as opposed to straight axle. Sure. Why?
2: Uh, typically, the way that they're set up in a road-going car is l- limits the amount of articulation and the amount of wheel travel you have. And so independent suspension in wheel travel is directly uh, in relationship to how long your control arms are. So because you have to tuck those wheels under the bodywork and your control arm pivot points can't be and share the same pivot because they're on either side of a differential, Mm -hmm. you're limited to how much wheel travel. You know, you have a negative camber typically on the back for better handling.
1: But you're still – even on a straight axle, you're limited for, you know, your suspension.
2: Yeah, but you're more limited on on an independent in terms of articulation. Huh. And the, you know, independent suspensions – A lot of vehicles, a lot of full-size SUVs are, are, you know, feature all around independent now. It's definitely the direction of the class. Some of the things I do like about it are handling's way better. Ride can be better depending on how it's tuned. Some of the things I don't like about it is there's a very heavy caster change with a lot of payload, like either tongue weight from a trailer or Mm. a lot of passengers. So you'll get that negative, uh, excuse me, camber change. Uh, Negative rear camber where you're, you know, wearing out the inside edges of the tires if you're carrying loads where... On a solid axle, that doesn't change. That's always the same because the wheel relationship doesn't change to the, gotcha. you know, the vehicle because it's always on the same right. plane, right? Right, okay. All right. And then we've got um, a little bit of uh, Ram rumblings in the industry this week. Where, How so? Um, ram rumblings? Ram rumblings. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got some Ram rumblings here it's happening down <laughs> on the field.
1: Wait to get the ref out there. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 All right, so- uh, Hold on, hold on. We are deeply
2: sorry. All right, <laughs> but ahead. how sorry are we? We're sorry. Are we really sorry, though? We're sorry. But really sorry. How sorry? We're sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love that. I love it more than you know. There has been a rumor that Ram wants to enter the midsize pickup space. Hmm. And so originally, there was a Brazilian truck that's unibody that uh, Fiat sells in Latin America called the Ram uh, 750. And so there had been rumors that this unibody truck was coming out, but I don't think we need another Honda Ridgeline because as we've mentioned many times on the show- We don't need the first Honda Ridgeline. <laughs> yeah, the Ridgeline is not a truck. It is a Pilot S-U-T. So apparently- A pile of what? Uh, Pilot yes? S-U-T. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and um, interestingly enough, Automotive News has said that FCA is rumored to be building a midsize pickup truck in Toledo, Ohio. That may not trigger any bells for anybody, but let me- paint the picture. Toledo is where the Wrangler JL is built, Mm. which also means Toledo is where the new Wrangler JT pickup truck will be built. So one can assume that the Wrangler, based and focused on a very small segment of the off-road market as a pickup truck only available in crew cab, there might maybe be room for a Ram version of that that might have more body styles and be based on that same platform architecture huh there's some perhaps.
1: sleuthing going on across the table from me right perhaps
2: now. so i don't know i haven't heard you know um i i need to uh i need to um
1: you need some confirmation
2: yes but i if i sign an nda this is pre-nda so i'm going to talk about what i can if i all of a sudden shut up about this then okay. just know that they made it to my house
1: well then let's go on and talk more about this so what would that mean what do you suppose they're um, baking?
2: Yeah. So if they're building it in the same factory as the Wrangler, um, it might be a solid front axle, whereas Ranger in Colorado and Tacoma are all... Independent. ...are independent front suspension, and the Wrangler JT will be a solid front axle. Now, is Ram designing it to where they can put a independent front suspension clip on that same frame and then have something completely different than Jeep? Or are we going to see a second midsize pickup truck that has... Solid front and rear axles. Mm. I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, and so uh, by you know, usually rumors like this are are you know three years out or so. We haven't seen any mules yet. Uh, the JT hasn't even gone in production yet. I would assume late twenty one as a twenty two, something like that. But definitely something we want to keep our eyes on because uh, the the midsize pickup market is absolutely exploding right now, and it seems like everybody wants to get back in. If you think about it. As uh, full-size pickup trucks get more and more expensive, I think there's more room down low. And for those who live in more city or urban environments, obviously maneuverability and fuel economy and all those things, a midsize ends up being a really nice family car. So I think a lot of people are are super, uh, super interested in that. Well, Holman, uh, quite a show. I think uh, I I, 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 Are you happy with it? I think I'm kind of happy with it. I I think that was awesome. I got to talk to my buddy, Jeff, who I haven't talked to in forever, and we talked to you, uh, your new friend, Chase, who yeah. uh, makes some killer renderings on the truck side. I don't know how many people
1: actually need renderings, but if you are looking for just really cool truck art, yeah, you got to check out his Instagram. It was Innovate, so it's I-N-N-O-V-8 Design Lab, Innovate Design Lab on Instagram. Oh, and you know what else we forgot?
2: Bulletproof Diesel's website. Yeah, okay, so sure. If, if, you've got, if you've got a six liter and you're looking for uh, reliability, be sure to check out BulletproofDiesel.com. Yeah, I was talking about this, though. Mounter,
4: monitor, key engine parameters.
2: <laughs> oh, my. You had so many new sound uh, effects and drops on your new software that we totally forgot to play that all night. I didn't play it for a
1: reason. Oh. And that is because we have some Mounted Parameter news coming up.
2: No, we don't. Yes, we do. Last time you tried to trick me and go on this trip with you of Mounted Parameter news, I got all excited and you crushed me I am right telling at the you
1: that we have some news about this woman. For
3: those seeking a monitor, only the brand new GTX Watchdog is now available for Dodge Cummins. and has a full 5-inch color display with a captive touch. It's quick to start.
0: As long as you can do a.
1: uh, Not capacitive touch, captive captive touch. Captive touch from your dash. Yes. Yep. And your mounted parameters. Okay. So I was speaking with Jordan from uh, Daytona oh, Truck Meet this I morning. See
2: where we're going with this. So
1: he is obsessed with her. Yeah. Because of our, our podcast. Yeah. And he called, he made a few phone calls, <laughs> trying to hire her for Daytona Truck Meet to do the announcement. Did he hire her? I'm not going to tell you. You, my friend, are going to have to wait till
2: the next episode of oh, the Truck Man. Show Podcast. <laughs> I just want to know if she knows she's an internet hit a celebrity on the truck show she may (laughs) she (laughs) may
3: the truck show the truck show the truck show
1: we are looking for your email truckshowpodcast at gmail.com if you've got a question about anything truck related
2: truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or on uh, Facebook and Instagram, hit us up, at truckshowpodcast.
1: And a huge shout to our uh, our sponsor,
2: Nissan, without whom this show would absolutely not be possible. Yes, if you're in the market for a brand new uh, truck, go down and check out that new Nissan Titan, five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And don't forget, they make the most affordable pickup truck in America, the... uh, 2018 Nissan Frontier. Absolutely. And our friends at DECT, our new sponsor at
1: DECT, which is a phenomenal uh, storage solution for your truck. And it fits in the bed. It's got rolling drawers. Lockable. Lockable. Weatherproof. Waterproof.
2: And you can still put 2,000-plus pounds in your bed on On top top of this system. Here's the best thing is if you're sick and tired of your toe straps and your hitches and all those things rolling around in your bed when you're just driving to work and you're worried about people stealing stuff, the deck system provides you, A, a place to store it, and a place to secure it. So, And if you happen to be looking for storage solutions for your Nissan Titan. Ooh, nice Italian. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> Check out deck.com.
1: All
2: right, that's enough show. I'm tired. I'm going home. There we go.
1: <laughs>